0: If you have your Bibles, we are going to continue our study through the book of Galatians. We are now in Galatians chapter 4. This is week 5 of our 8-week series in the book of Galatians. I hope that it's been helpful. I hope that it's been edifying to help us. The goal of this series really is to help us uh, grow from a place of grace, not a place of legalism, not a place of the law. Can you say amen? And so today we are in chapter 4, which really is a continuation uh, of chapter 3. Previously in Galatians, Paul talks to us about why the law was given. and, And the point of it was that the law was meant to just be a tutor, a guardian, until we were able to come into maturity and take hold of what was ours in the first place. That the whole thing starts with grace and it continues to be. A growth in grace. And if we stop doing that, then we regress into something less than what God had in store for us. And then he continues this mindset in chapter 4, and he starts by saying this. He says, think of it this way. In other words, Paul's like, I got to keep illustrating this point. So let me give you another way of thinking about this. He says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they... What's the word there? Until they... That's the title of today's talk. Tell your neighbor, grow up. Sorry, tell the right neighbor. Don't, don't tell your wife. So, I'm sorry in advance for that mishap. Uh, ladies, feel free to say grow up. I, I don't want no smoke. Um... Until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman... Subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave but God's own child, and since you are his child, God made you, is, is, can you say amen? Amen. That's the word of the Lord this morning. Question for us this morning. How do you define spiritual maturity? In other words, how do you know someone is mature in the spirit. How do you go about deciding what is spiritual maturity? Usually it goes a little bit like this. We say a spiritual mature person is someone who knows a lot about the Bible. Someone who is in church. Someone who Serves, someone who gives, someone who invites, and someone who lives the truth, and someone who abstains from the things of the world. And all those things apply to spiritual maturity, and they're not wrong in itself. But what's interesting is what Paul describes as spiritual maturity Paul does not really touch on any of those things that we call spiritual maturity. And there's a reason why Paul doesn't really touch on all those things, even though those things matter and they do point you in the right direction of what maturity looks like. When you get to chapter four, Paul says, spiritual maturity is actually for you to grow up. He says, it's actually for you to stop acting like you're still a little child under the bondage of law and to grow up in the grace that was yours in the first place. Now, the reason why we always start the conversation with spiritual maturity based on those things that I mentioned is because those are easily attainable or oh, in other words, those are the things that we can measure. In other words, we want some type of scoreboard to figure out where are we in the equation of this journey. And as a sports fan, I can appreciate that because I want to know the bottom line, are we winning? <laughs> right? That's the bottom line. And so what happens is, is that we, 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 we have a tendency to take the things of God and then put it into the scoreboards that we can measure, that we can say, look, how many rebounds I have, look how many assists I have, look look, look, look at me, look at me in the spirit, like I'm killing it, I got a triple-double this week. And the problem with that is, my friends, is that if you're taking notes, what Paul is really getting to is that he's saying, listen, when you start to equate your growth with the scoreboard, then it's all about you again. What legalism does, this is, this is the danger of legalism, my friends, is that it gives the appearance of spiritual maturity because you have an, a, an external scoreboard. But that external scoreboard doesn't always translate into an inner transformation that God is way more interested in. See, legalism is good motives, but wrong methods and wrong approach. In other words, the law says you can do things and measure them by external results. And here's the thing. Here's why we like that type of scoreboard. We like it because it makes you feel like you accomplished something. You feel accomplished. And when you feel accomplished, (laughs) your pride comes up. And when your pride comes up, then it's no longer grace It's law-oriented. It's me-oriented. It's focused on me all over again. In other words, it's regressing into slavery again. By good things. You know what's crazy? A lot of people are kept from the presence of God by doing good things. Because now I'm in control of the narrative. And I get to decide what spiritual maturity looks like. And I get to tell you that you're not spiritually mature as I am based on the scoreboard that I create for myself. The more I study Galatians, the more I realize, wow, we really need this. (laughs) We really need to understand what it means to be a people of grace that actually stays in grace, that doesn't regress into the law. Can you say amen? So Paul says this. Paul says that spiritual maturity happens when we truly grow up But not in a sense that we think growing up looks like, but growing up in grace. Growing up in understanding of the grace and the goodness of God. In other words, to embrace grace and then to stay in grace, not to regress into works. In other words, if you're going to do any of those things, you're going to do them because you are in grace, not because you're trying to earn something not because you're trying to attain it, not because you're trying to control it, but because you already are in grace, you already accept it, you already belong, and so those things are the outcome of what's already happening in you, not you trying to earn something. And so he says, stop being a slave, which really is what he's saying is stop trying to perform because slaves don't have a say. Slaves just perform the duties without their hearts having to be attached to it. Think about it. If you're a slave, you don't love what you do. You just do it because you have to. So he's saying, stop performing. Stop trying to think you can earn this by doing your good works. Embrace grace that leads you to become a son or a daughter through the adoption process that Jesus came to give us. I love the heart of Paul in this chapter because Paul doubles down on this concept of adoption. But now he gets intimate. He gets personal. He says, don't you get it? The Holy Spirit comes to adopt you so that you are able to say, Abba, Father. And if you know anything about the the Hebrew people, is that the word Abba, is the word daddy. Notice he's speaking to a Gentile community who are not Hebrew, but he makes a point of bringing up the word Abba because he was trying to make a point. Listen, no, you've been so adopted, so true to this family, you don't just have to say father, you can say daddy. There's a difference between saying father and saying daddy. What's the difference? Intimacy. And this is a struggle for a lot of us because, because a lot of us have earthly fathers, but we never had a dad. And a lot of people, perspective of God the Father really is a perspective of their earthly father. And that jams the wheels when you don't, you don't have an understanding of a daddy versus a father. What Paul was saying is this adoption, please, if you're taking notes, he's saying, listen, you are born again into the family of God, and you have intimacy with him to the point that you can call him by an intimate name of daddy. See, a lot of people know God, but they don't know God the dad. And a lot of people, perspective of Christianity is there is a God, but it's like, yeah, but he, is he your dad? Can you call on him? Can you have intimacy with him? See, if you're taking notes, let me make it clear. This, this whole thing that Paul is getting to is like, man, don't you get it? Like you are now sons and daughters, and this is what it looks like to be a son or a daughter in the faith. Is that, first of all, you are because you've been adopted into this family. You've been engrafted. We took communion today as a reminder of that. To community today to say that that same blood now runs through your veins. Like you're not a slave. You're not, look, you're not on the outside looking in. No, you are in. By the process of adoption that Jesus went to take you. So, so which means that, hey, you can enjoy this. One of my concerns of why I feel we need to go through the book of Galatians is that are we truly enjoying this? Or are we enduring it? Is this something we enjoy, being with the family of God, doing the thing? Like, is, do you enjoy praying? Do you enjoy worshiping? Do you enjoy giving? Like, do you enjoy serving? Or is it like, like pulling teeth? Because if it is, you don't understand. You've been adopted. You belong. A lot of people, when you hear how they talk about their faith, it's like, oh, you're not enjoying it. You look tight. You know, I need to read my Bible more. It's like, oh. It's like, no, my friends, these are spiritual disciplines for you to enjoy. Like, a perspective has to shift to why we do the things that we do. And I look around the Christian faith and I see a lot of. <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> uh. they, you tell people, it's amazing to serve God. Uh, is it? Because we're trying to earn it, as opposed to enjoying what's already ours. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit sets us free to truly enjoy this thing. Trust me, I'm preaching to myself. He knows that I'm preaching to myself. It's the freedom of an adult. In other words, remember we talked about this last week. You don't have to keep having someone on you all the time. True freedom is to be who you are when no one's watching you. You don't have to perform. You don't have. I tell. I'm trying to instill this in my children as much as possible. It's like, listen, guys, you, you are who you really are when when no one's watching you. When dad's not watching you. When mom's not watching you. Like, I pray that you can be truly you. I think that's a better way of approaching peer pressure when you can be truly yourself. Because let's be honest. We didn't graduate from peer pressure. I still see it in adults. Right? So to be free like, is to be yourself. I think salvation is to truly be yourself. The real you, not the fugazi version, not the religious version, and also not the worldly version, but the real you that God created in the first place. And then to receive the inheritance that is rightfully yours. That's what I want to really go ahead and get into today. Is I want to get us to understand, like now that you have this freedom, you have privileges as God's children. Like you've been adopted. Like like God opens the door and says, "You, this is home. This is home. I got so much for you." Starting with, you can call me Daddy. Like this is fascinating. The word intimacy, if you're taking it notes, it's a, it's, a, it's a compound word. It's into me, you see. Hey, Jesus is like, man, I want us to be into each other. And I, as a father, I'm realizing this more and more that my kids just want my attention. I don't know how many times a day I have to hear that look! That look! And it's five of them, so that's like a lot of dad look. <laughs> Throughout the day, dad look, look at this layup, dad look at this cartwheel, dad look at this picture, dad, dad, dad look, dad look. Why? Because all they want is to know, dad, you see me? And, and I'm realizing it, that, wait a minute, we're not that different. Here we are, adults, still hoping that dad's looking. Dad, you see? Dad, did you see my prayer? Dad, did you see me raise my hand today? <laughs> Dad, did you see me playing with the kids today? I, I'm doing it. Indirectly, we all want that attention. Even the ones who say, I don't care, no one's. It's like, yeah, if you didn't care, you wouldn't be saying it. All are craving that attention. And the thing that that, that hurts, that struggle, is that most of us never had it. Most of us had dads who also never had it. So so the cycle continues of lack of intimacy. The less intimacy, the more we try to prove ourselves. Can we be honest, some of us are adults still trying to prove something to our dads. Touched subject this morning, but I think we need to go there so that there's freedom that can happen in all of us. Some of us, our dads were there physically, but they weren't there emotionally. Some of us don't even know our dads. So this is a uphill battle. I see this in me. It's an uphill battle to give my kids the full attention that they deserve. Because there's still something broken in me that is not paying attention. Most of us only know the rules of our fathers. Most of us only know the rebukes of our fathers. Most of us only know the absence of our fathers, distance fathers. So it's hard to compute that God the Father can be this close. But that's really what Jesus came to do. He's to say, no, I am that close. I'm, I'm, I'm the friend who sticks closer than a brother. He says, even if your mom and dad forsake you, I won't forsake you. He says, I won't leave you. Think about it. When you're in the middle of a war, all you got is your heavenly Father. And we don't know what we're made of until we find ourselves in such adversities as these people are finding themselves in right now. And I don't know about you, but man, they've been teaching me what it means to have courage, what it means to have hope, what it means to have unity. Because I'm like, if our country goes to go right now, what the heck happens to us? But adversity has a way of bringing perspective and hope. In the middle of tragedy, when you can, you can have a father, you can trust. We all have father wounds. The reason why we have to perform is because we have wounds. The reason why we feel so insecure is because we have wounds. The reason why we never feel like we're good enough is because we have wounds. The reason why a lot of us are emotionally constipated is because we have wounds. We have a hard time articulating what we're really going through. And the last thing we need is to come to the presence of God and perform again. We need to come to the presence of God and be real and be honest and be open and be broken and be, and say, tell him what we really feel because he already knows how we feel. Says, you can call me dad because we all want to belong. We want to belong so bad that some people join gangs to belong. Some people will join a Facebook group to belong. We all want to feel like we're being seen and heard. Isn't that the heart of humanity is to be loved and to love? If we were to sum down everything we're doing, we want to be loved and we want to be able to love well. But if we haven't received love well, it's hard for us to love well. And you know the saying, hurt people will always hurt people. So my friends, this is deeper than we think it is. And and it's unfortunate that we have equated spiritual maturity with just knowledge. Knowledge is not enough. You can know a lot of things, but you may not know what to do with it. So spiritual maturity is not how much you know. Spiritual maturity is, is how much have you become aware of who you really are. And live from that place of belonging. We perform to be accepted. And it's exhausting after a while. It's exhausting. To always be on. Just, let me just be honest with you. It's exhausting to always be a public figure. I went out to a movie the other day. I caught the last one at 10 o'clock. And I'm texting my wife. I'm like, I'm so nervous. There's too many people here. I just want to enjoy a movie <laughs> it's exhausting to always be on you just want to be a f- child that's what you said just be a kid once in a while just drop the guard. worst is drop the persona that you have it all together just be a child and accept that you're accepted See, religious practices are great, but they can suck life out of you if you're coming from a place of trying to perform. See, that's why some people don't enjoy praying, because prayer is a performance. That's why some people don't enjoy worshiping or serving, because it's, it's all a performance. It's not an extension of an adoption process that I feel good about. Can we pause for a moment? We need this. We need this. We don't need another religious service. We need to understand who we truly are already, so we can enjoy the religious services. Listen, doing to earn as opposed to doing because you're already you're already in. One of my favorite texts is the baptism of Jesus. Because in that moment, the father says something really powerful. And I believe that if we are in Christ, he's saying the same thing about you. But in that moment, watch this. I want to bring us back to Jesus' baptism. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were open. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove, settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Do you understand that what the father was doing in Jesus, he wants to do in all of us. But what's powerful about this statement, my friends, is the father is speaking over his son, his true identity, before his son does anything to try to earn his identity. See, this is before Jesus does any miracles, preaches, casts out demons, calls the disciples. Before he does anything, it's as if the father is saying, listen, I like you already. You don't have to try to prove to me who you are. Now, people are going to question who you are because the moment he comes out of this, who is the first one to question? If you truly are the son of God. So you understand what the father's doing? Hey, before you go into the world where they're going to make you question yourself and they're going to come down on you and they're going to beat you up with all kinds of stuff, including religious people will come and question you. I want you to know you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I don't know about you. My God, I need to hear this often. I get criticized by religious people. I get criticized by pagans. I get criticized by church people. I get, so after a while, these voices are rattling in your head, and you need a center. You need a compass to say who you really are. I, got, I had the privilege of going to New Bedford High this week, and Jeff is a teacher, and we had this really powerful moment in the classroom. I just wanted to go observe and to, and to listen to, and he's doing a fantastic job with his kids. But we talked about what is your inner voice. Oh, well, we're in a school, we don't have to talk about this, but man, listen, spirit is the spirit. What is the inner voice telling you? Because we all have an inner voice. And a lot of us, unfortunately, that inner voice is accusatory. That inner voice is always belittling you, telling you you're not good enough. Telling you how much of an idiot you are and how much you keep messing up and you keep doing this and you keep doing this and you keep doing this. We need a heavily voice to say, no, no, no. You are my son. You are my daughter. I see you. I value you. You belong to me. And I'm not done with you yet. That's why he says the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you caught this. The heavens were open, the Spirit of God descended. Just like Paul is saying in Galatians, it's the Spirit of God that comes because you need to exchange that voice with the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's why you can do a lot of religious things and still feel terrible about yourself because you're still being led by the wrong voice. Worst is, some of us still have the voice of our fathers. Never enough. This is a powerful thing that Paul is doing here. Saying, no, listen, you have to know who you really are. You are my son. You are my daughter. Him whom I'm well pleased. Before Jesus does anything or performs any miracles, the father is saying, I accept you. Man, we live different from a place of acceptance. I, I, I don't know. How else to say this? But don't allow others who are not free define how you should be free. Because what I find is, I've been on this journey for 20 plus years. Law, performance, works will never satisfy you. If anything, makes you feel worse. That's why I believe some people quit the whole journey because they didn't realize... You never had to perform. And then the worst is they get around other religious people and keep telling them, you're not doing enough. What's wrong with you? See, that's the thing with preaching. We can keep reminding people of who they used to be or we can prophesy over what they're supposed to be and who they already are and what Jesus already says they are. He says you have privileges now. That's what it means to be an heir. Someone who can inherit certain privileges. Peter puts it this way in his letter, he says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Divine nature. That's what it means to have the Holy Spirit. Now you have a different nature. Now you have the nature of God residing on the inside. Better yet, now you have a father, not just a master. Once in a while, you gotta ask yourself why do I do the things that I do? What is my motive? What is my intention? If it's not grace, then you're not living in divine nature. Paul says this in the book of Romans, chapter 8. It's a great, great chapter to go reflect on. But in Romans, Paul says it this way. He says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. He's echoing what he said to Galatians. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children now we call him, here it is again, Daddy, Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. The hardest part about the gospel is to actually believe the gospel. It sounds too good to be true. That's the hardest part. I think God says, man, I go to great lands to try to prove it, but you guys have a hard time believing me. Because you're so used to all the other voices that you have a hard time actually accepting my acceptance. It's almost like someone giving you a gift, but you keep going. Wait, wait, wait. Let me pay you for it. You ever done that? No, 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 no. not I'm trying to give you a gift. You get a little. I can't, I can't. That, that's that's what we do with the grace of God. No, 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 no. Let me pay you for it. Yeah. How many Hail Marys? <laughs> How, many? How much? Let me, let me do something. It's like, you can't. You can never pay God. Yeah. Hey, you want to pay God? Pay it forward. Yeah. Give someone else grace. Yeah. That's the only way you can pay God. Yeah. So in other words, we obey out of love, not out of fear. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. Why? Because love leads to obedience. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's not this, ah. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying really hard. Like, just stop trying. I want to give you homework. I want to give you four scriptures to reflect on about your inheritance. And here they are. You can take a screenshot, take it with you. The only time I want you to use your phones in church, by the way. The rest of the time, I hope it breaks and he never works again. In Jesus' name, amen. Just put a curse on you. <laughs> But here's four scriptures to to reflect on the blessings of being a child of God. You're rich in grace. You're rich in the glory. Glory is the presence of God. You're rich in goodness. And thank God you're rich in wisdom. We need wisdom more than we need money sometimes. Because think about it. Money without wisdom will make you poor. That was for free. <laughs> do some homework. Do some digging. In other words, attain what's rightfully yours. That's, I hope that's what we're doing here. Is to attain what's rightfully ours in him. Can you say amen? amen. And lastly, you know, there is a future inheritance coming. There's a now and there's a later. Right. Paul says this in, the, again, go back to the book of Romans chapter 8. It's a great, great, great chapter. But Paul in Romans 8 says, and worship team, you can come. As we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Keep going. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. In other words, there is privileges now and then there's privileges later. I did a funeral on Friday, and every time I do a funeral, I'm reminded of this reality, that this body that I'm seeing in front of me is just the shell of the person. Because Jesus said, if you trusted me, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that death is not a period, it's just a comma. You live on. Where all eternal beings, the key is, is where we're going to be in all eternity. Jesus comes to make sure that we know, hey, you can have this assurance of life eternal." That's the only thing in this moment of war that would bring hope to the believers in Ukraine is that they have this hope beyond this grave. And I'm being fascinated by their faith. I'm hearing so many stories of faith in this moment that I pray that in our moments of comfort here in this country that we don't take for granted what's rightfully ours. That our faith speaks beyond this world. It transcends this world. And we don't have to live in fear. Yes, we fear, but we don't have to live in fear. There's a difference. So I pray, my friends, that, that we're not studying Galatians just to get more knowledge. Paul actually says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. In other words, true spiritual maturity is how you build others with what you know. Not just knowledge itself. So I pray, my friends, that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to really take root. And some of us, we're going to have to ask him to help us separate the voice of our earthly fathers with his voice. Because not everybody had the right voice. But remember this, because I'd never like to beat up on the other generation. Maybe they, maybe they didn't have the right voice neither. Because we, we, we repeat what we know. So some of us, we need to forgive our earthly fathers or guardians and embrace the heavenly father. Because now, if you're a father, I don't know why you feel as a father, now I have the responsibility of making sure that I'm, I'm praying this so much. God, help me to hopefully echo the right voice in my kids' lives. Because that's a huge responsibility now, to be a father to speak life but I won't be able to if I'm still broken I need healing so that they don't have to repeat the cycle of brokenness and obviously I'm talking about father wounds but it could be it could be mother wounds I was talking to a couple of pastors who told me this recently they're like I have mother wounds I was like what does that mean I've heard of father wounds What about what is mother wounds They're like, my mother never encouraged me. So it's not just fathers. It could be mothers too. So all of us, the beauty of this for me is is, uh, the more I'm studying, the more I'm realizing we're all jacked up. And that's the good news. (laughs) So you're like i was like good news because then i can stop comparing because you jacked up you just don't show it as much as the other one does and i can come and find healing i can find hope that's why we have to stop with this you know elite religious people there's no such thing we have to stop with this you know who knows more who who is more like stop because those people who are doing that they're going home going told them, but I'm still hurting. Oh, no, we need to create a community of grace where grace is received and grace is freely given to all. And everyone can say, "Amen, would just stand with me as we pray this morning. You have a father who loves you dearly dearly. Even that is a struggle, isn't it? Some of us we never heard your earthly father say, I love you." I know I didn't. I'm K. early. They're like, we don't tell you we love you, we show you. Look at the food on your table, <laughs> clothes closing your body. You know we love you. <laughs> That's how we do it, right? So I made a vow that when I have my kids, every day I'm going to say I love you because I want them to have the inner voice. Okay. Don't get me wrong, my parents are great, okay? I don't, don't want to throw my parents under the bus. I don't know if they're watching. I love you guys. You know, just <laughs> did a good job. <laughs> Let's pray, Father. I just pray that today you just want to assure us of your goodness and love over us. Thank you that we can call you Abba, Father. Thank you that we don't have to earn it. We don't deserve it. But you adopted us. You engrafted us into your family. Jesus, I pray today that your Holy Spirit is here right now. And it is online with those who are online right now. You are bringing healing to them right now. Healing over father wounds. Healing over mother wounds. God, we want to be healed so that we can We can bring healing to others so holy spirit as you descended on jesus descend on us in a fresh way in a new way and help us to channel our being towards you and help us to replace that inner narrative that is destructive that is negative Help us to replace it with your Holy Spirit. As Galatians will tell us in next chapter, you are the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, self-control. Let that be our portion, Father. That's our rights that you gave us. Help us to embrace our privileges of being spirit-filled people in Jesus name we pray listen the altar's open come come receive the holy spirit